0: Hello and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen and I'm so glad you're here. Well, here we are at my favorite time of year, my favorite holiday, which is Halloween. And I thought there's just not a better way to review something uh, than to talk about the last Halloween Ends movie. Just came out recently, and it is available in theaters as well as on Peacock. Considering the long history that horror movies have with not being, shall we say, spectacular films, once I heard that this was available on Peacock, I, I just decided I was going to watch it at home. Um, I must say. I was not disappointed in my disappointment. This film was... I I don't even know if I have words for it, really. But in the old style that I used to talk about movies, I'm going to go through this movie bit by bit with you um, so you can decide what you think of it based on some of the things I share. Now, that being said, if you have not yet seen Halloween Ends, I would uh, make sure you go see that first. Or if you're also thinking, you know, I don't think this might be the best movie, then listen at your own uh, peril because spoilers ahead. So let's just dive into it, shall we? Um, This movie is runtime 1 hour 51 minutes, and the body count is 18, which puts it kind of near the top of all of the Halloween movies, if we include the ridiculous Rob Zombie versions, which technically don't count, but... Since they were called Halloween, we will include them in that list. Uh, for reference, the very first Halloween had a kill count of six. And in my opinion, is kind of the gold standard for uh, what that movie should be like. It was in the same theme as uh, like Jaws, where more of the movie was not in the actual horror of the kills. It was that suspense. It was that peeking around a corner looking through a lens where you could see what was going to happen but not being able to tell that individual on screen duck watch out here they come that is what truly made the great horror films this movie uh, is falls a little short of that Uh, It runs one hour, 51 minutes, and it actually takes us around 41 minutes to even see Michael. Um, I was watching a video or an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis, and she said that she considers Michael Myers to be like Voldemort, where it's he who shall not be named, which I think is an interesting question. Comparison. I don't see them as similar. Yes, Voldemort was evil and um, a horrible person, but Michael Myers not on the same not on the same track there. So this movie takes place four years after Halloween Kills, which, if I'm being honest with you, I don't even remember the movie. That's kind of how bad (laughs) that one was. Um, The Halloween that they came out with previous to that, though, it uh, had rave reviews. People were really excited about continuing and completing this story. Um, But I think we kind of fell short after that initial movie. Um, So... The opening credits, it really felt like it was a throwback to the original. I I love the big blocky lettering. The font was the same as in the previous movies. The um the pumpkin just just the way it was all played out, it was very reminiscent of those early Halloween movies and the score as usual absolutely fantastic. Um the producer has said that uh, this will not be the last movie in the franchise. Now, it is the last movie of this particular producer group. Um, And so they've kind of closed the chapter on Laurie Stroud. And I I don't know where they go from here because I think things were pretty final in this movie. But... As I'll talk about in a little bit, um, it kind of feels like Child's Play, the movie, that is, uh, in that they say it's the end, it seems like it's the end, but they always find a way to take that nobody's getting out of this ending and turning it into here's another one. Um, So in the beginning, we, uh, we see... Lori Stroud, uh, she's talking, and it's got cuts from the previous movie uh, kind of catching you up. Um, she's bought a home, and she isn't hiding anymore. Uh, and I should actually back up. that—that That isn't a fair opening. So the opening truly is um, Corey, a young man that's showing up to babysit on Halloween at short notice so the parents can go off to a party. Um in, in this scene, we learn that Corey is here to babysit Jeremy, who, according to his mother, is afraid of the dark and wetting the bed at night. Mom said, no TV and no more candy. Those were the only instructions, essentially. So babysitters, being babysitters, they decide to watch an old horror movie. Uh, I believe it was The Thing, if I recall correctly. And... Um, While they're watching it, uh, Corey says to Jeremy, you know, hey, if you're afraid, we can turn this off. And he said, well, I'm not afraid. And he goes, you should be the one that's afraid. After all, Michael Myers is still out there. He kills babysitters, not kids. And the kid turns a little nasty. He all of a sudden, like, flips a switch, and we see this very different boy than we saw just a few minutes ago interacting with his parents and being all excited about, hey, can we build this and can we do that? Um, And we hear, uh, so Corey walks away uh, to go look in the fridge, see what kind of food he can get. We hear a noise and Corey goes to investigate and finds an overturned lamp and an open front door. And so right away, it's, could somebody be stalking this babysitter? Because that's what they want us to think. And Corey can't find Jeremy anywhere. He's calling for him, checking closets, looking under the bed, looking everywhere. And as he's walking back through the kitchen, we notice, because we were paying attention initially, that the knife is missing from the cutting board. He hears screaming and runs upstairs. And the kid screams, Corey, help! So, as he runs up the stairs, we see the knife on one of the steps. And he grabs the knife and continues on. And he walks into the attic. And you know what's coming. You know exactly what's coming. As soon as he gets in there far enough, the kid slams and locks the door. So then Corey kind of panics a little bit here and he's yelling and he's, you know, screaming, Let me out. Um, and then we see the parents are pulling in the driveway. And so we know that time frame is getting close. The The folks are going to be in on this shortly. They'll be able to let him out. But Corey is panicking on the other side of the door. He's pounding on it. Let me out. This isn't funny. As mom walks in the door, we hear, I'm going to kill you, Jeremy, because of course we do. And he starts kicking at the door and kicking at the door. And... As he gives it a final kick, we see Jeremy go flying over the stairs right down on, um, it's this beautiful like column stairs and he goes right down in between the middle and uh, dies in front of mom and dad. So altogether though, it wasn't a bad start. It really had a good, you know, kind of, okay, here, you know, a little predictable, but we can, uh, we can get through this. So then we meet up with Lori and she's um, talking. You can tell she's writing a book or a memoir of some sort, um, talking about psychological things and evil. And um, we learn that she has bought a home and she isn't hiding anymore. So that's really what the previous movies, you know, she was in that kind of like we saw in Scream where. Uh, Sydney locks herself away for so long and then finally comes out uh, to tackle uh, everything that's happening. Same thing here. Lori decides I'm not hiding anymore. Here I am and buys a home. So then we catch up to Corey, uh, because we went from uh, 2019 to 2022. So a couple of years have passed, and we see Corey riding a bike into a junkyard, uh, junkyard, scrapyard type thing, where his boss yells at him for being late. But then he gives him a motorbike or motorcycle, and it, it... Seems unusual, like why would your boss? I mean, he makes a crack about, so you won't be late anymore, but don't tell your mom. And then we see a shot of a homeless guy collecting some trash in front of this ominous sewer opening. Um, If you've ever watched the It movies, you know this is where the majority of the stuff is going to happen, right? So Corey is going into a gas station to get some milk when some kids show up in a convertible and you, you know, what's coming when Corey walks out, they're like, Hey man, we're seniors go buy us some beer. And he refuses and they start calling him names and calling him a pedophile. And then, uh, someone yells, Hey, you know, knock that off. And it's Lori and chief bully here says, um, Oh look, it's psycho meets freak show. And, um, uh, then the kids kind of laugh and, and walk away. So then Lori brings out a knife and uh, they decide that they're going to pop some tires together and there's some joking about, well, which one are you, psycho or freak show? And then we see some, um, because his hand is all cut up and Lori takes him to, I can't quite figure out if it's doctor's office, urgent care hospital, maybe it's all in one because it's a small town. So... There's some weird flirting between Allison and Corey. Uh, we find out that Allison is the granddaughter of Lori Stroud, and she's also a nurse. So she stitches him up, patches him up, and off he goes back home. And um, Allison had talked to him about the Halloween party and she had initially said she wasn't going to go if she doesn't have somebody to go with and so then she's trying to convince him and so they're texting back and forth and we see that Corey is at dinner uh, at his mom's house so mom's there and his boss which I believe then is boyfriend of mom I I'm not sure what they're story is, but since he is there, I'm gonna assume boyfriend. Um, and there's a, a scene, the way that it's shot, it's kind of peering over mom's left shoulder and they're having spaghetti <laughs> and the amount of spaghetti sauce stuff that's around the lip of his mom's glass is just disgusting. Um, and I'm not sure what the reasoning is with that because even as messy as spaghetti is, there's never that kind of residue on the glass when having spaghetti. So not sure what that all was, but it was notable. So there we are. Um, but mom is getting upset that he's texting someone and who's, um, you know, who's texting you? What do they want? Why are they interrupting you? And then she says, boys who keep secrets don't get custard for dessert. Which felt very psycho for me, the movie Psycho, um, just with the weird play of mom and son, um, which is somewhat fitting considering Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, that was her mom in Psycho, so perhaps that's a a throwback to her. Uh, But anyway, he goes off to the Halloween party, and all he's wearing is um, kind of a clown mask and a sweater, and it seems like they're having a great time. There's like a weird little dance montage and they go from like jamming to some metal to then he's laying on the floor. And I don't quite understand that, but, um, he then goes up to the bar to get a drink because, you know, when you're dancing, you're exerting a lot of energy. And, um, he seems like he's just having a really great time until we notice that Jeremy's mom is sitting at the bar and she gets very upset, uh, that, he is, um, that Corey is there having a good time and how dare he. Um, so then he storms out and they're kind of Allison and and Corey are kind of yelling, like, where were you? And how could you leave me like that? When she, she didn't leave him, he walked over to the bar. So, um, he storms off and again, it felt very much like it. So there's a scene on the bridge and the four assholes or the four bullies, as we'll call them, um, they, the ones from the gas station, um, they pull up and start talking to him. And, um, eventually there's like some pushing and shoving and they break his glasses. And before you know it, um, mullet boy, which is, how I will refer to him um, and the jock, toss him over the bridge. And the bridge isn't covered with water. It's, it's just um, ground because we know that that's the sewer that was ominous a few minutes ago. So we're not quite sure what it is. Uh, we don't know if he's dead or injured, but that homeless man is watching. And, of course, he's kind of pulled drug into the sewer. We can't see who is doing it. Again, feels very much like the movie It. And he, uh, you know, is just pulled in there. And, of course, when he wakes up, it's like this cavern within the sewer. And Michael starts choking him. And they look eye to eye and there's this weird, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I can see everything in your eyes. I know the whole story of everything you've been through. And so suddenly Michael's like, ooh, I have a BFF now. And um, it's just this really strange scene. I'm not quite sure the whole point of it, but um, they decide, you know, we're going to be we're going to be friends now and um, essentially murder apprentice is kind of what he's going to become. So as Corey starts leaving the sewer, it's now daytime and the homeless man confronts him and there's something about Michael Myers and he pulls a knife and they, f- they scuffle a little bit and sure enough, a couple stab stabs later and homeless guy is dead and Corey goes off. Um, it goes on for a little bit Uh, there's a scene where Corey is like peeking around the bushes and Laurie happens to look out her window very reminiscent of the Halloween the early Halloween movies because it's very much what Michael Myers did Um, and Corey then shows up to take Allison to the home where Jeremy dies or died earlier and begins to tell her about what happened. So, you know, there's this huge traumatic moment where he was getting ready to go off from college and then his whole world changed. And so, of course, that's going to be something that's that bothers you. And, you know, the town doesn't let you forget it. Um, and he walks her through the house and here's what happened. And sure enough, on the floor, there's still a blood stain. Of course there is. So then we show up to, um, you know, it kind of jumps around for a little bit. So then there's this slimy cop that we meet. He keeps trying to hit on Allison and doesn't want to seem to take no for an answer. Like at one point he pulls her over just to talk to her. And um, so... When uh, Corey and Allison are out for, I don't know, dinner after the whole let's revisit my past type of thing, um, they get into this fight with the cop who then follows Corey, and he leads him right to the sewer, which, I mean, is this Michael Myers home? Uh, and why was he there for, what, four years? I don't understand that point. Um, so anyway, he brings him in there, and Corey is telling Michael, "Show me how it's done. Um, show me how you do this kind of thing." And Corey, like, huh. <laughs> okay, so to describe the scene, I would say it's very, it's very much like *Handmaid's Tale*, where. Um, The wife is behind the handmaid when they're doing the ceremony. That's how this was. So Corey is behind the cop holding him down while Michael then starts stabbing him and they're all looking in each other's eyes kind of thing. Um, And Michael gets like stronger from the kill uh, because he goes from hardly being able to move to all of a sudden back to his old form of I can hold people up by their neck I can do all kinds of feats of inhuman strength so that that scene happens and then um, we notice that Allison and Corey are spending a lot of time together and off in the corny corner Lori is watching them she's like following them around trying to get an idea of what is happening with this couple although she introduced them perhaps he's not the guy that she thinks he is and so you know maybe maybe it's not a good match maybe there's something a little bit off with this Corey kid Um, and when Corey goes home his mom screams at him hits at him which as we know being fans of the genre don't piss off the killer I mean you know eventually that's going to come back to bite her. Like you should have treated him better. So we're finally on Halloween night and we find Corey sleeping in the house that he killed the boy and actually on that spot of blood, like that's where he's sleeping, which is just weird. When he wakes up, you hear this like bang, bang, bang. And he looks up to see Lori is in this chair, kind of leaning back, and she's heading against the window. And she talks to him about there being two kinds of evil. And we may not know that we're infected. And she wants to help him. But she also wants him to stay away from Allison. And he says, if I can't have her, no one will. And she has me now. So you just need to let her go. And he continues to talk, and when he looks up, Lori is gone. So now he's ticked off, and he goes after Michael, saying, you have something I need. And they get into this little scuffle in the sewer, and he steals Michael's mask. Um, he then goes into town, and we find our favorite town bullies again, and he, he etched Psycho into the hood of the car. And then they cut to a scene of Laurie trying to warn Allison um, and saying that she can have a good life, just not with him. Like, don't leave with him. She knows that they're getting ready to run away. She doesn't want her to do that. So meanwhile, now that the bullies are are mad, because now we damaged the car, not only the tires from before, now we're like serious damage. So they go to that salvage junkyard. And if you saw any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, you know that this is a bad move. Like, bad things happen in these salvaged junkyards. You just... They always do. So, sure enough, as soon as they start to split off, down they go. So, within just a minute or so, one down, the mullet boy, he's gone. Nice little uh, knifey to the eye. And then they start taking off. So, it's, it's originally mullet and prep boy, the the jock boy, and then the two girls. So now that mullet guy is dead, uh, the other three don't know what to do. The two girls start panicking and running as they always do. The guy goes running into the office. He's trying to get the attention of the boss. And so the first thing they always do in a horror movie is run in front of a vehicle so we know what happens the vehicle floors it runs one over another one down so the second girl goes to check on her friend hey guess what another one down so then the boss comes out with like a magnum 45 or something and he realizes that it's Corey because Corey took the mask off and he stands up and the uh um, the varsity boy uh, the primary bully um shoots him and of course at the same time the guy stands up so now the boss is dead and um primary bully comes over to the girl that was run over initially she's kind of stuck to the chain link fence and he goes you know this one's dead that one's dead and she looks up at him and she goes you are too so Then we see somebody come around the corner with one of those giant ratchet, um, like plumber's wrenches, you know, the giant ones. And so then he's knocked out first and then probably the most gruesome of all the scenes he's killed by a welding torch. Um, and then finally after that girl watching everybody else get killed, Michael just comes over and squashes her head like a melon. So that's it. Um, then we go to Corey's mom. She's next. No big surprise there. Uh, we knew she was going to die right as soon as we saw how she was treating him. And then Michael shows up at the radio DJ uh, building. And it's like Corey is checking off everybody that was ever mean or rude to him or talked down about him or to him in any way. Um, and if you're constantly talking about this big threat in your city, why would you leave the building unlocked? You know it's late at night. You lock that up. But because the DJ is so busy jamming to his songs, the desk girl gets killed, and then Michael comes in, slams his face in a few times, and then for extra fun, just cuts off his tongue. Um, so then... Allison shows up at the agreed upon location for their time to run away together. And she waits and she waits and he doesn't show up. She then goes to knock on Corey's mom's house. We know why she doesn't answer, but surprise, she doesn't answer. So then we find Lori at home and she's I'm going to assume drinking whiskey because that's what they always drink. And she's looking at paperwork and she goes to the safe and she pulls a gun out of her safe. And I'll be honest, this was my absolute favorite scene of the whole entire movie. She calls 911 and she says, I want to report a suicide. She takes off her glasses, yanks off her necklace, puts the gun to her head. And of course she's crying. We are then outside the room that she was in with the door partially closed And all we hear is a gunshot. There's some splatter on the wall and a thud. When the door opens, we see Lori standing there and she says, did you really think I would kill myself? And shoots him. And of course, he goes flying over the ledge down to the ground. And she goes down there and we learn that it's Corey with Michael's mask on and not Michael. She then shoots all the remaining shots into the wall and she said, you came here to kill me, so do it. And of course, Allison's car then pulls up and Corey hears that and he starts laughing. And he says, if I can't have her, and then stabs himself in the neck. And as with all movies, that what they always do is they pull the knife out and they hold it until someone walks in the door to see them with the murder weapon. And Allison then screams, what did you do? And she gets all upset and then she runs back out. And so Lori is upset and crying because Allison doesn't understand what all happened here. And she happens to notice that there's a door open. And then she hears a struggle coming from the other room. And and of course, because they always come back, Corey came back one more time, and Michael kills him and takes back his mask and his knife. And then there's some some time where Lori is then hiding from Michael. And she's hiding in a closet in the kitchen, and on like a shutter or something, We there's a, a little thing that just keeps clacking away, and so she stops, and as soon as she stops it from making noise, Michael's like, oh, there she is, and she goes over there. Well, instead of him crashing into her in the closet, she busts out, and the fight is on. Um, they fight for a bit here, and I must say, Lori has learned a few things in her old age, Um, she did have a few knocks to the head, which I think would knock most people a little silly at this point, but you know, uh, she keeps a, what is it from the old energizer takes a lick and keeps on ticking. Um, he does try to shove her hand in the garbage disposal, which is an interesting moment there where they're kind of fighting back and forth. um, And then there's a needle, uh, knitting needle. And as we know from years past, um, she had stabbed Michael with a knitting needle before. And so this time, he shoves it, I think, in her ear. I'm not quite sure. It, It shoves into her somewhere on the side of her face. And she then gets this burst of strength and rams his hand um, and stabs it in a way that it's mounted into the counter because this isn't your regular counter this is a giant cutting board counter so we've got one hand there and then she does a knife to the chest a frying pan to the head and then the other hand nails him also to the counter so now he's got two arms uh, and then she just pulls the fridge down and for the record, if you have ever even tried to move your fridge, much much less pull it down, they're really heavy. So I call BS on that scene. There's no way she could pull that fridge down. But anyway, stabs him a bit more. And she takes off his mask. Um, and, and I like the dialogue here. She's like, I've run from you. I've tried to contain you. I've even tried to forgive you. And then she slices his neck. And of course, because nothing truly kills him, he then starts to choke her. And that theme song comes back. And we see all those scenes from all the years ago playing again. Allison then bursts in, breaks his arm, and together they slice his wrists. So when the cops show up, they find Michael dead, everybody covered in blood, and... They walk in and they're like, this must be Michael. Lori says, she, you know, he's dead. Allison goes, not dead enough. So then they do something that would be abnormal in another town. But in this town, this is how it is. They take him out and strap him to the top of the car. And in fact, one cop even makes a comment. This is not how it works. And the other cop says, it is Tonight. So he's strapped on top of this car and they have a police escort probably a mile long with the whole town lining the side of the streets. I thought they were taking him to some kind of a crematorium or something along those lines. But in the end, we end up at the junkyard and they have those like steel metal grinder things. And so we're we make this line of people and they move the body off the top of the car. And then they, like, body surf him down to the metal grinder. It's the oddest scene. Um, but they do a, a body surfing down to the end where Lori then rolls him into the mo- metal grinder. And he is ground up like hamburger. Um, and that is the end of Michael. Dun, dun, dun. Allison leaves town. Lori says goodbye to her boogeyman. Uh, She does mention in the last lines of the movie, she says, goodbye to my boogeyman, but evil does not die. It changes shape, which I think left the door open for some other iteration of this movie, because you know it's coming. Um, And then as they zoom out of the home, Michael's mask is sitting on the coffee table like it's their new decoration. So I don't understand a couple of things. One, Michael's been living under a bridge for four years when Lori has been right there. Like, I don't I don't get why he would do that. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, there's a a scene or a few scenes, I guess. Um, so where Allison works, the doctor she works for is just a douche and he is very clearly in a relationship with this other nurse who then gets a promotion. Um, and so when doctor brings her home with him, um, and she calls him Dr. Mathis. Like, why wouldn't you say, Hey, Bill or whatever his name is. Why are you still calling him Dr. Whoever? If you're sleeping with him, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, You know, and the other part is that they just keep regurgitating the same stories. And so my final thought on this movie is this. What an awful end (laughs) to such an amazing film. While I do appreciate that Laurie Stroud has some closure overall, like I love it when the victim then gets to reclaim what's theirs and in this particular movie far too much time was spent on Corey and the love story between him and allison just to try to give it some uh some grounding like some reason to be there i i don't understand why so much time was spent there when it began with michael and laurie and that's where it has to end So for the whole movie to go on and on with all this other stuff, just for the last 10 minutes to become Laurie and Michael, I feel like it was a a letdown. And for anybody who was a fan of true horror films in the 80s and 90s where, yes, the special effects were not anywhere what they can do today. So I understand the, the inclination to want to create... Hey, let's do that movie again because now we can do it with this technique or that CGI or we can make it bloodier or whatever. I think we're missing a big part of the story. Um, not to say some of these movies had a plot; like there were some movies in the in the eighties and nineties that was that were just terrible as far as plot goes, but the suspense in them was immense, and. These movies are missing the mark completely. This movie missed the mark completely for me. And I am so glad that I took advantage of it being on Peacock and I did not have to pay to go see it because I probably would have been asking for my money back. It was awful. But I did have to watch it a second time so I could put together um, this, this podcast so that way I would be able to talk at least somewhat intelligibly about it. But oh boy, Um, if you sat through all that and you watched the movie, let me know what were your thoughts. Did you feel it held up to the idea of Halloween? Did you feel it missed it? Was it okay and entertaining? Was it a waste of time? Tell me what you think. I'm very curious. Um, Next week, I will likely finish up October with Hocus Pocus 2. I have a lot of thoughts on that movie, and I can't wait to share them. So thank you very much for joining me today. Take care and be well.